The Truth News Network. George Soros-funded organizations buying up conservative radio stations to silence them. Amazon and Google threatening to block Twitter if Musk opens the platform to counter opinions. Seeing a pattern yet? Well, they can try. But the truth will always find a way. And this is TNN, the Truth News Network. With your guide, Dan Newman. I think those last words you heard from Pete Moss should describe what our objective, number one, number 10, number 20, all the way to the bottom of your objective list should be to do. We've got to draw together. There's no way we're going to cure this insanity if we just keep, with our own verbal and written bullets, just keep throwing them out into the whoever listening airspace And let's find some facts, and then let's do something about all this stuff. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another week at TNN Live. I am so happy you had this long weekend, and we're able to get a lot of things off your chest. Yeah, it was hot across the nation. We had some weather incidents. But, folks, it's July. I mean, that's what happens. We're not just the only part of the United States that gets hot weather in the summertime. I think the Midwest, the Northwest, and the Northeast deserve their own, and they got some of it this weekend. Fireworks displays, I I love fireworks. And every year I say, nobody can do this. This is as good as I've ever seen. The fireworks displays over this weekend were amazing. And I like that. It's one way, just one small way, that Americans are getting together with Americans again. You know, it'll be decades before, if we ever do, understand exactly the cost of all those lockdowns during the pandemic. There are some obvious ones. I mean, look, our employment rate is still low, but people, the number of percentage of people in the workforce still dramatically low. And our economic experts in the government and elsewhere, they're just trying to come up with real answers for that. They just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'm sure you don't either. Why are people going back to work? There's only one reason. There must be some other faucet for them to be getting compensation. Maybe they're getting paid under the table and they're not on the payrolls. There's a lot of possibilities. But a good government would look into this immediately and would give the people answers and give the people processes that we need to take to resolve this. We need every working person in America to be working. And according to the statistics, there are plenty enough jobs out there to take care of every unemployed American if they'll just engage and go after it. Human nature is what is stopping the employment rate from continuing to go down because more people are going to work. The reason it's going down is not because of that. It's because people are pulling out of filing for the unemployment claims. That's how they determine what our unemployment rate is. I don't understand it, but I know something's there that needs to be discovered and taken care of because Americans are paying the price. You know what happens when there aren't enough people to work in these businesses? Think about that for a second. What happens? Employers don't have different and better options of people to pick from. 
that can do the best in their companies, which makes everybody else in the company rise up a level. So what happens in that scenario? We don't get the results of the products that we were getting from these companies across the spectrum. It's definitely across the spectrum. And so the products and the services get worse. The prices, because of inflation, mass inflation, inflation, keep going up. The people don't like what they're getting because they're paying far greater prices for it because of the inflation and the quality of the goods and services don't even come remotely close to that. It's a vicious circle, but we're hung in it and we can't get out. And those of us that employ others, we're looking desperately for additional employees. And so what happens then? The employees we have have to work harder. Maybe our work product goes down a little bit. Maybe the success of getting things done quickly and being more effective for our clients, that gets watered down and the overall things get worse. You know, that's one of the number one things that made America great and has kept us great for 260 years. A philosopher came over from France to the United States not too many years after our Revolutionary War. And when he came over here, he was analyzing because the word had gotten around the globe. This, these people really kind of got things together. They really know what they're doing. And though it's an, a, a very expansive piece of real estate on which they, they stand, they seem to have gotten a lot done and have some good things going on for them. So this philosopher came over here to analyze that. And he went home, and let me tell you what he concluded way back then. Why is America growing so fast and doing so much so successfully in their very short lifetime. And here's what he said it was based on. Number one, a great family structure. A great family structure. Number two, a great work ethic. Hmm. Number three, the U.S. Constitution, a great government, a standard, a template. And number four, a great law enforcement structure. That was back in the early 1800s. Those four things were the staples, according to this expert from France. And that was his first glimpse into our nation when he came over here. And he came just to study that. And he came up with those four things. And wrapped around that, the whole atmosphere was made better because of that family structure and their religion. And we he was speaking about religion in general. He wasn't referencing a denomination. So that's the perfect concoction, or at least it was back in the 1800s. Why wouldn't the same thing that worked back then and put us on the road to where we were recently before uh, this administration took office? Pretty much across the board. We had slidden very dramatically and very quickly into a hole led in large part by social media that it was just rip apart everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. If you disagree with them, just destroy them. I could sit here all morning and tell you story after story about people whose lives have been destroyed totally 
by stuff that others have said using social media. Seriously, folks, people in big, high-paying jobs are losing jobs left and right from rumors that are peddled on social media, picked up by mainstream media, and then they report it. And they'll say this when they report something. This is still unconfirmed, but numerous sources believe, and then they come out with this lie, bit of gossip about somebody famous. And so if somebody comes up and asks you, and you're in a crowd, say at a grocery store, checking out, and those lines get amazingly longer and longer today. I don't understand it. They have they increased their self-checkout stands. And when we were standing where the checkout girl, and that's not a sexist thing, that's pretty much who it was. When you stand there, you got to wait in line. And they sold the self-checkout so that you don't have to stand in line. You go over there and you stand in line to get a cash register station at which to check out. So those things don't change. And, of course, they told us, you know, this is so we can give you better service. No, it's so they can don't have to employ more people. All that being said, the structure that that philosopher found is what's kept this nation number one on the planet. And those elements, many of those elements are just obliterated. They're gone. When you plant watermelon seeds, you always see watermelons grow. We've planted anti-family, anti-Christian, anti-government ideologies into three generations of young Americans. What do we expect to get other than what has been sown into the hearts and lives of those three generations of young Americans? What do we expect to get other than what we're seeing happen now? Can we right the ship? I think we can. I hope we can. I feel strongly. And I pray every day. Prayed this morning at 6 o'clock prayer meeting. I prayed for the nation. And I pray that we would find out and we would then take that initiative that we discovered and implement it to stop this slide into totalitarianistic rule in this country before we become just another one of those third world countries where the government is run by elites at the top and the people have no voice. It's becoming more and more obvious now in the U.S. the people do have a voice, but the government, those we elect to represent us in D.C., they don't care. They're going to do their thing. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of that. So where are we going on this road today at TNN Live? Well, let me give you a little heads up. We've got a new writer with us now, somebody... I think you're going to enjoy his writing. Bud Hancock is his name. And during the week, it may be tomorrow and Thursday, it may be Thursday and Friday, this man wrote an amazing two-part story and analyzes what I just spoke to you about, but with some great suggestions and ideas. And I think I think you'll want to make sure you look and find the Bud Hancock story, two-part story, Later this week, it'll be at truthnewsnet.org, www.truthnewsnet.org, and it will be the homepage. Today's another story. It's a good story. Dr. Robert Mercola wrote it, and I think it's important. Everybody needs to check that out. So we're going to go there in the upcoming days. Where are we today? 
Let's go back to last Friday. President Biden had been in Europe making a splash over there, the G7, and then he went down to NATO headquarters. But he gets in front of the media over there and he trumpets. And let me tell you what, I was ashamed of what the president said about his country. I really was. And there are a lot of other people that were too. Critics ripping into President Biden after he slammed the Supreme Court on the world stage over its decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Listen to what he said. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States on overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. This, as a new poll reveals, American pride is reaching new lows. Joining us tonight to discuss, New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, great to have you with us tonight. Thanks for being with us. I just want to get your reaction to the president. This is extraordinary to me. On the world stage, foreign soil talking about our Supreme Court and ripping a decision as outrageous. Talk about what that means for the president of the United States to be doing that. Yeah, this is completely unacceptable. He's undermining our own institutions and under, not understanding. I mean, look at I've looked at this president and called for his impeachment over the border issue alone because he doesn't understand his important role uh, as in the executive branch that it is his obligation to uphold our laws. Uh, but also in terms of energy, he's energy illiterate. Now we're finding out that he really doesn't understand how the Constitution works. The Constitution is a is a basic document that is about rights and protecting those rights, and it's about freedom. All these decisions have done, particularly uh, the Roe versus Wade, over particularly uh, the Roe. as everyone's calling it, but really what it is, is it's a realignment of us realizing the overreach, the alignment of us realizing of an erroneous president, precedent, which was Roe versus Wade, uh, rolling that back and making it constitutional and sending this moral decision back to the states and to their elected representatives. It's so clear. And what Joe Biden is a career politician, someone who's enriched himself, uh, you know, his family and himself at the expense of the taxpayers, using his political position, doesn't even understand the importance of the judiciary. You know, and I think it's great if you look at our founders, one of my favorite quotes in the decision of Justice Alito, he quotes Alexander Mm -hmm. Hamilton, who says the Constitution gives the judiciary neither force nor will. So the sole authority Mm. of the judiciary is judgment. Is this something that the judiciary should be weighing in on? Or is it something that the states and the people need to decide? All they did Mm. was send this back to the states and the people. And by the way, we have late term abortion, which is the law of the land in New York State. It is not a moderate position. It is an extreme position. And most New Yorkers do not even realize what's going on because the Democrats sold this bill in New York as codification of Roe, which is abortions Mm. legal up to the first trimester. We have a late-term abortion statute, and the people don't even know it. And our president is ignorant. Well, so he's a career politician. and most of his career, he said the filibuster really matters. We can't get rid of the filibuster. Now he's (laughs) saying he's willing to support removing the filibuster 
on the issue of abortion. Do you think he's going to find enough support to do that? And what does it mean if he actually does? What does it mean if, in fact, the Senate blows up the filibuster on this issue, Congresswoman? Well, constitutional literacy, which the, the, which the president is now establishing, scary, this guy was on the Judiciary Committee and a chair of the Judiciary Committee was in the Senate, doesn't even understand that this is a political maneuver. You know, we're going to make an exception for certain political decisions we don't like or positions we don't like, and we're going to lift the filibuster for it in what is probably one of the most controversial probably one of the most emotional uh, decisions and one of the most emotional and moral decisions of our time that we're facing where we have seen uh, a change in precedent, an erroneous uh, precedent that was overturned by a constitutional court. And now we have a president that says, you know what, we're going to change the filibuster rule that he stood for, for purely political reasons. It's going to be causing another earthquake, just like Roe versus Wade caused 49 years ago. You know, you wish you had a president who knew the Constitution backward and forward. That would seem to be the one, one of the main things a president should be competent at. But you're right. Right now, the basic difference between a judiciary and voting on laws that a legislature makes seems to elude the left, seems to elude the president. Con you know what? I, that last section that Pete said, where you wish we had a president that knew the Constitution. I got to be honest with you. Joe's been around long enough. I think he does know. I honestly do. The scariest part to me is, if it's true, and I can't say it's true, my opinion, always give you a uh, clarification. I make it clear when it's my opinion. What I'm about to say is my opinion. I think he knows the Constitution, but he's ready to start the move to, at his level, go around the Constitution and if there's something in the Constitution that you don't like, we have enough power now at the United States government where we can thumb our nose at, at noses at the Constitution and just do whatever we want to do. I actually think that's what's going on right now. That is scary because the structure that has made this nation successful for 260 years is the United States Constitution and its rule of law and the enforcement of those things. Look, it looks to me like lawlessness just really started at the bottom, and it's worked its way back up from the streets of Chicago and San Francisco, L.A., Chicago, New York, Atlanta, Miami, wherever the big cities are, Philadelphia, Baltimore. I believe it, it started there, it ramped up there, it ramped up there, and it still is, and then now it's found its way into our government, the federal government. How else can you explain what is going on at our southern border? We'll get into the southern border stuff. New stuff came out this weekend that will scare you when you hear about it. Nothing that's happening at our southern border would be happening. Nothing. Not one single thing would be happening. Two million illegals on Joe Biden's watch purposely allowed to enter the nation without even knowing who they are. We don't know what their metal, metal, uh, medical backgrounds are. We have no idea what their political things are. And most of the time, we don't know that many of them have criminal records, some long, very serious criminal records in their nations of origin. That, none of that matters. Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, just continues to let them in. 
Why would all of that be happening if Joe Biden still believes in the rule of law? He took an oath to protect and defend. The only way you can protect and defend is to use the law to do it. And they don't have to do that. If they did, folks, why hasn't Joe Biden got up, made a statement to the American people from the Oval Office? We are going to stop the rampant criminality across this nation. I had Merrick Garland, our Attorney General, in, and the federal government is about to step up because this has become a national disaster, the criminality across this nation. And if he declares that, an emergency declaration of that, he can have the authority as the president to make federal forces interact wherever they need to go to react against these domestic terrorist operations that we see going on every weekend. I mean, look at Chicago. Have you ran the numbers on the weekend? (laughs) I, I know you haven't. You're probably just because none of us want to. You know, in Chicago, six killed, dozens wounded, July 4th, in one of the most upscale neighborhoods in Chicago, way up north, Highland Park. It's unconscionable. The suspected shooter, they got him. He's in custody after six were killed. Dozens of others were wounded. He was on top of a roof during a July 4th parade in Highland Park yesterday. Highland Park Police Chief Lou Jogman said this guy, 22 years old, Bobby Cremo III, was arrested around 6.30 yesterday, more than eight hours after the shooting following a chase in the north suburbs. Early, early this morning, Highland Park Mayor Nancy Rottering said charges are going to be filed some point today. Jogman said police in North Chicago spotted his vehicle near Buckley Road in U.S. Route 41, tried to conduct a traffic stop, but Cremo fled the scene. North Chicago cops called for reinforcement. His vehicle was stopped about six miles away. He was taken into custody with no incident, and charges were pending Monday, Monday evening, even as police continue the investigation. So, I mean, that's just a drop in the bucket. That's kind of like another weekend in Chicago, right? At least 10 people were injured during six or more different shootings in Boston. In Boston, Sunday night, shootings happened in several different neighborhoods spanning from the south end to Hyde Park. One victim in critical condition, another in serious but stable condition. Most of the victims have non-life-threatening injuries. And everybody says, wow, they're lucky. Nobody died. Two cops were shot in Philly during the city's massive 4th of July fireworks show. That transformed a festive holiday event into a chaotic scene. Revelers stampeded from fear of an active shooter situation while the colorful fireworks exploded across the sky. The officers were hit while on duty in front of the Philadelphia Art Museum. I know right where it is setting off the pandemonium that capped off a day of partying at the Wawa Welcome American Party, the first time the event has been held since the COVID outbreak. Now, let me tell you what those on the left are doing today. They are beating the drums louder and louder every day. Gun laws, 
gun laws. We got to have these red flag laws. We got to get these out of here. Look what's happening every weekend. Well, of course, nobody wants to tell us that the huge majority of guns used in these killings are illegally purchased or they belong to someone else other than the shooter. How do I know that? It's because every agency, every government, every media department of any law enforcement operation in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Philadelphia, they won't return our calls or give us the numbers, and the FBI won't either. They'll give you the numbers of shootings. They'll tell you what kind of guns they were, but they won't tell you. And six people died. The guns that they were hit with, killed with, they won't tell you if they were illegally purchased or if they were legal. Very few of these people go to Dick's Sporting Goods, fill out the background investigation sheet, wait an hour or so for the FBI to run that and call the store back and approve it before you, they buy a bun. You don't have to go down that road. They can Anybody in any neighborhood that is subject to contain this kind of crime and therefore those kind of criminals... You just ask somebody, you can find a gun. It probably is stolen or either purchased from a group from overseas that trafficked it across our southern border. And that is ramping up far beyond what people thought it ever could be. So regarding the cries the left is making, a red flag law, that's a waiting period for gun purchases. And then there are licensing requirements, numerous other gun controls, all of that was in place, folks. All of that was in place. But it didn't stop the Ju- July 4th Highland Park attack. Mike Bloomberg's Every Town for Gun Safety list Illinois as the state with the sixth most stringent gun laws in the country. Gabby Gifford's gun control group gave Illinois a grade of A- on gun control. Illinois has a red flag law, a waiting period for gun purchases, gun owner licensing, domestic violence gun laws, open carry regulations, and a couple of dozen other gun controls. The gun owner licensing is done via firearm owner's identification, FOID cards. Only those with a FOID card can legally buy and possess a gun in Illinois, and the process for getting a FOID card Includes a background check. The Illinois State Police listed the process for buying a gun in Illinois. Listen to this. Buyer must possess a valid FOID card. Buyer must verify local firearm ordinance requirements. Buyer must display valid FOID card to federal license prior to handling firearm. Buyer must complete federal form ATF 4473. FFL notifies the Illinois State Police Firearm Service Bureau to perform a background check in accordance with state and federal laws. FFL receives an approval to transfer the firearm. Buyer must abide by the state of Illinois waiting period before taking possession of the firearm. The waiting period for a long gun is 24 hours, 72 hours for a handgun. Upon taking possession of the firearm, the firearm must be unloaded and enclosed in a case to be transported. Cook County has an assault weapons ban that also bans high-capacity magazines. 
In neighboring Lake County, the city of Highland Park has an assault weapons ban that also bans large capacity magazines. On December 7, 2015, the Chicago Trib reported that the Supreme Court of the United States refused to hear a challenge against Highland Park's assault weapons ban. The Trib described Supreme Court's refusal to hear the challenge as a blow to the National Rifle Association and other pro-gun advocates. So there you go. They have the red flag laws. That means if you know somebody that exhibits these kind of actions and you reach out to law enforcement, they will interact with that person just to make sure nothing bad happens. Those laws are already in effect at Highland Park. Assault weapons ban. It was a long gun. I've still not heard the term AR-15 for the weapon that he used up there. I'm guessing that it was. But even if it wasn't, he obviously had a large capacity magazine in the rifle that he shot. So none of those laws work. And I can tell you this very, very easily. Anybody that wants an AR-15 or some other assault weapon You can buy it on the black market, including fully automatic weapons. You can't buy those in the United States legally. But you can always find a guy that'll open up his trunk and show you a stack of them in there and you can choose from. Making laws don't save people from gun violence. Executing and enforcing the laws that are already in place for that will take care of the problem. Why doesn't Highland Park do that? Why doesn't Chicago do that? Why doesn't L.A. do it? Or Philadelphia? Or Chicago? They're not doing it. And if you put new laws out there, what good would they be if they're not enforced? Why did we have two million immigrants illegally come into our nation? Those are the ones we know about. We don't know about the other ones, the gotaways. Certainly there are many of those. That's illegal. Every one of those people that stepped foot on U.S. soil without a formal written invitation from the United States government broke a law when they stepped across there, and every day they're breaking a law by being here. Why is this happening? Because Joe Biden refuses to enforce it. And let me tell you this. You can say a lot of things about Joe Biden, but he is politically savvy. There's no question about it. 40 years up there in New York, uh, in Washington, D.C., he's got it figured out. He's not stupid. He may be cognitive declined, but he's not a stupid guy, especially when it comes to politics. He can look at the landscape and tell you what can be gotten away with and what will get you caught. And he's not even really walking up to that line right now. I think he sees bad things for him at his door. Can you imagine how he feels every day when he wakes up? The first thing he does is get a briefing from his staff and he gets them to run the gambit. Do you think they're up there kind of watering down the details of that morning report they give to the commander in chief? I believe they are. I believe they hide things from him. Because they know when he hears something bad, he's not going to pull the right people together, figure out what can be done, and make plans, and then implement those plans to go fix it. 
He listens to people. He listens to politicians, bureaucratic folks that work in his administration. He listens to them. And what he does, he adopts the opinion of one or the group of those which seem to all of them have an idea. This will take care of the problem. That would be on inflation. That would be on supply chain shortages. That would be on our foreign policy stuff. That would be on how to respond to the Roe v. Wade case that the Supreme Court overruled Roe v. Wade as unconstitutional. All of those things, violence around the nation. He's not putting out his ideas when he puts them out there. They're the ideas of others. Don't tell me that anybody working in any presidential administration would say it's okay for the president to go overseas and bash one of the three co-equal branches of government. I mean, all the way at the top. And Joe Biden just blistered our Supreme Court over there. Can you believe that? And somebody said, yeah, I can believe that. I think it's this soundbite. Let's listen to this. And I'll stop it. I'll stop it if it's not the right one, but it's a discussion about why Joe Biden did what he did. President Biden turning his back on reporters once again as he returns home to a country in turmoil. Listen. All right, guys. I'm... No, there's no such thing as a quick one. I'm out of here. Thank you all very much. Biden has a history of walking away, being pulled away from reporters attempting to ask him questions. Joining the conversation all morning long, Liz Peek and Lee Carter. Liz, one of the most enduring images of this presidency so far is the Easter Bunny having to intervene and cut the president off. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knew that the Easter Bunny would play a major role in our White House? Uh, Look, this is pathetic, I think, and offensive, actually. Uh, The president should be responsive to the American people. This one has done fewer press interviews, fewer uh, press conferences than any in history, I believe, because he's incapable of doing it, Dagan. And his handlers are panicked every time he steps up in front of a microphone that he's going to commit a gaffe. And actually, I don't think they're gaffes. I think they're serious mistakes, like the ones he did Uh, about calling for Putin's removal, et cetera, Mm -hmm. that endangered the United States. I think Biden is not capable of being president and he's not capable of talking to the American people. There was a uh, notable gaffe. The president, when he was overseas, mistakenly suggesting that Switzerland, not Sweden, is joining NATO. Listen. Do we have it? Suggested we call the leader of of Switzerland, Switzerland, my good, my goodness, I'm, I'm getting really anxious here about expanding NATO. Oh, Sweden. And what happened was, we got on the phone and she asked if she could come the next day to want to talk about joining NATO. Allies across the board are stepping up, increasing defense spending. Lee, I mean, you know a verbal gaffe is one thing, but more troubling is the fact that Joe Biden keeps standing up there. And this is clearly part of the communication strategy, standing up 
on the national stage and on the world stage and saying uh, inflation's higher in um, other countries other than the United States. The, Euro, uh, the, the United States, see, I just made a gap, that the United States is growing faster than all other countries and that Russia's the reason and Putin's the reason that energy prices and food prices are so high. And all of those things have been rebuked and refuted over and over again. Even by Jay Powell saying, yes, inflation was a problem before the invasion of Ukraine, but they keep doing it. You know, I mean, a gaffe would be one thing, and I think it would be forgivable if it weren't for all of these other problems as you're listing. There's just it's sort of an overwhelming um, number of things that make people feel like the president isn't in control. Um, he makes gaffes, you know, okay. Um, but when he continues to shift blame and say there's nothing we can do, when he continues to say that you know oh, inflation is temporary, or he says you know the 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 shelves in grocery stores aren't empty, he seems consistently to be out of touch, which is a much bigger issue mm -hmm. than simple gaffes. Um, but the American public has been somewhat forgiving of him. I mean, his polling numbers obviously are atrocious. But I mean, if you remember what happened when Dan Quayle couldn't spell potato, I mean, that was the end of his political career. And now we're looking at a sequence of gaffes that's un, 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 sort of unending. Yeah. And that when Dan Quayle did that, that was before the uh, the internet. It was. <laughs> I mean, it did exist, but that was, you know, that's how lasting that was. But in terms of the polling, uh, Lee, and we'll get to the, I'll, I'll talk to you about this later. His approval rating is the lowest of his presidency at 38%. 85% of Americans say that the U.S. is going in the wrong direction. So it can get worse. I mean, We're seeing that. It, yeah, it is really, really bad. And for everybody who said it could never get worse than it was under President Trump, his approval rating is lower than that. So let's just think about that for a moment. Coming up. Approval rating lower than that of President Trump's. Who would have thought a Democrat would ever be able to say that about themselves because they're the anointed ones. They're the voices of uh, the American people, they tell us. They're the only ones that have good policies for the nation. you got to just shut up and listen to them. And Americans aren't doing that now. Why? Because all of these things come right home to the American people. It's not something that can come to the government, come to D.C., and they can filter it so that we don't experience it all. In fact, what they're doing, they're apparently not experiencing these things for themselves. They're looking at us down here. You know, we're the plebes. We're the ones that live on the other side of the moat from the castle. They're all in. We're the ones that experience it, and they don't dare have the same issues that we do. They control everything. They have all the power, and with all the power, you get money, but you get everything else. And there is a design for everything you see that happens, everything you don't see that doesn't happen. Everything they say, there's a reason for every one of those. And it has to do with perpetuating the power they have over the American people. And it begins and ends at the U.S. Congress, House and Senate. And that means midterms coming up. I wrote a story on this, folks. 
published a story a few weeks ago just making sure everybody understands Though we hear a red wave is coming, a red wave is coming, and we hear about these lawsuits around uh, the uh, principal states that had problems in the election process last uh, uh, nationwide election, presidential election in 2020. You remember those? Places like Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Nevada, All of those have been found to have problems in their elections and the election processes. We don't hear much about that. In spite of that, there's this mainstream conservative Republican Party thing that we're going to take over Congress by storm. And then two years later in the 2024 presidential election, we're going to take back the Oval Office. Have you heard Nancy Pelosi's opinion of all of that yet? Let me just say this. Don't draw your conclusions until you do. She's pretty darn good at predicting the official results of national elections. Look what she did two months before the 2020 election. She guaranteed us in those words, I guarantee you, January 20th of 2021, we will inaugurate Joe Biden, President of the United States. And she was right. That's what they did. They inaugurated Joe. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and I'm teaming up with Turtle Wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean, shiny, protected, and even disinfected. Because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach, Turtle Wax will make sure your vehicle is looking, smelling, and feeling amazing. Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I called the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Subway, make it what you want. Limited time 
with participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. Married to the truth. Divorced from the lies. Fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. When you're in the midst of considering your woe, what's going on in your world that's not good, consider this. One of the biggest problems, if not the biggest we have in the nation outside of our criminality, is our economy. We just can't get our hands around it. We can't figure out what's going on. This president sure isn't making it any easier. (laughs) I mean, look, everything that's happening on his watch, every single thing, He's refused to accept responsibility for. He screams and hollers at Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin had nothing to do with Joe Biden and his interior department cutting off the sales of oil and gas leases. Cramping down horrible, horrible new absolute rules for the production of oil and looking for oil. Drilling finding places to go, they've clamped down on it. And then when the leases are bought and when we have these lease sales that are bought, it's one thing to get a permit to buy these leases. It's a second thing to get a federal government permit that allows you to drill. The environmentalists in the government kick in way before that can happen and no drill can even get on the property until that drilling permit is allowed. They don't want to talk about that. Now listen what was announced very secretly over the weekend. The Biden administration has announced plans this weekend to block all new offshore oil and gas drillings in the Atlantic and the Pacific. But they're potentially letting a handful of new leases go ahead off the coast of Alaska and in the Gulf of Mexico. That charts a different course from the plan that was put in place with a bunch of people during the Trump administration. This draft plan by the Interior Department lays out several options, and of course this is one of those things they have to wait for public input. But there's a lot of options the public needs to weigh in on this as to how many of these offshore oil and gas lease sales should be held over the next five years. Normally they will range from nearly a dozen new leases to zero. Interior Department Secretary Deb Howland, who's somebody I can't even figure out, she said this, the proposed plan puts forward several options from no lease sales up to 11 lease sales over the next five years. The time for the public to weigh in on our future is now. Now, what the heck was she talking about? What needs to happen in our future? Let me tell you this. Here's where the insanity comes into this conversation about oil and gas stuff. It doesn't take a neurosurgeon. It doesn't take a brilliant philosopher to look at the landscape of this nation and the world, top level, up at the top of it all, is our energy issue. We are not producing worldwide enough energy to operate everything that needs to be happening. And they're talking about, hey, we're going to put out this plan for how many leases are going to happen. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. They're not going to sell these. Just because they even announced that a lease sale is coming up doesn't mean that's going to happen. They've canceled numerous ones, and they have the legal authority to do that. 
They don't want any oil and gas drilling to occur, period. If it doesn't stop being allowed, they know their green energy, renewable energy plan that is their panacea forever, it can't kickstart. There's no way we can transition to that type of energy unless we get rid of the fossil fuel energy. The two cannot coexist. Why? One of them is cost effective. The other is unbelievably expensive and will be in the foreseeable future. You don't know what you're talking about. Are you a scientist, Dan? Do you, do you No, no I'm not. I'm a realist. I watch the world. I read, I listen. Do you know how many problems they're having? Toyota and other automakers are having with these electric vehicles they're building. Toyota recently in one of their electric lines, they had to recall every single one of those electric cars. You hear about that anywhere? No. You heard it here. But I haven't heard about it in any other place. They don't want to talk about that. What they do, they want to tell us, put these things out there to just kind of like throw us a bone. Oh, we're putting out these leases. Yeah, we're we're releasing the dates that these leases are going to happen. We're looking to do some offshore drilling in the Gulf of Mexico and just next to Alaska. And most of the American people, it, with the exception of people that rely financially on that sector of our government, not government, but of our capital uh, system, everybody's looking at that and saying, hey, everything must be going good. It's one thing to offer these things and then they can just drop the lease sale. Nothing happens. I just can't understand why Joe Biden doesn't want to do it when he knows it's for the best of the American people. But there's no other explanation. I'm open. Give me a suggestion. 1-866-37-TRUTH. 1-866-378-7884. It's a great day to get on the phone. Make a call. We'll put you on the air, and you can tell us what your opinion is. Tell me if I'm right on, or tell me if I'm stupid. Give me other options of possibilities. In the midst of all of this, Joe Biden continues to deflect blame for his own energy policies. He's the one that makes them. And he's blaming Vladimir Putin, and he's blaming oil companies. He's blaming everybody but himself and his decisions. He said this over the weekend, my message to the companies running gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war, global peril. Bring down the price you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now. So the people in this industry that really know this, and by the way, they've reached out numerous times. If Joe Biden reads any letters that he gets, he knows what I'm about to tell you. Here's what the U.S. Oil and Gas Association said. Working on it, Mr. President. In the meantime, have a happy fourth, and please make sure the White House intern who posted this tweet registers for Economics 101 for the fall semester. The association also tweeted about the wisdom of using Americans' bountiful energy resources. The U.S. Capitol has the inscription, Let us develop the resources of our land, call forth its powers, build up its institutions, promote all its great interests, and see whether we also 
in our day and generation may not perform something worthy to be remembered. That was from Daniel Webster. Another domestic energy advocate joined the criticism. A bunch of others, including Western Energy. Oil industry has everything it needs, Western Energy tweeted. Reality, what we need is a partner in the Biden administration instead of the months-long blame game and overreaching regulations like the SEC Gov climate disclosure rule. Now, in a report, I don't even remember what day it was. We talked about this. Biden has attempted to deflect blame for the increase in gas prices to Russian President Vladimir Putin, dubbing it the Putin price hike, a term used repeatedly by the White House, despite his campaign promise, you remember those? To always take responsibility and not blame others. He made a huge deal out of it. The buck stops here with me. I'm Joe Biden. I'm the President of the United States. Everything that happens out there on my watch, I'm responsible for it. What he was really saying was, only those things that I tell you I'm responsible for. And if I don't tell you I'm responsible for it, I'm not responsible for it. That's the way he's governing. The call for action from Biden follows a failed proposal from the Oval Office to implement a 90-day gas tax holiday, which was dismissed by even Democrat lawmakers as outlandish. You know why? We have government giveaways that we get from the taxes. And Mr. President, if we give those seedy American people a tax break on buying gasoline, we won't have the money to pay for these operations that we have over there. Novel idea, guys. Do you understand that what this government and every government needs to do when it comes to spending money, you only spend the money that you have. You only spend the money that every bit of is given to you by the American taxpayers. Don't spend another nickel. So we can't do that. We'll have to not pay some of these things. Novel idea. Here's what you need to do. You need to reduce, reduce the outflow of dollars that are being paid by the American government. Find ways to do it. And if you need help, there are a few million Americans who would gladly raise their hand and come look at the books and tell you where you can split, get rid of at least a third of the spending that you're doing. And then this wouldn't be a problem. The debate comes as gas has reached an all-time high, $5.02 a gallon in June. Yesterday, the national average price of gas on unleaded gas was $4.81. That's according to AAA. It's nearly a dime cheaper than a week ago, but still 54 cents more than last year at the same time. If it's not due to Uncle Joe, who's it due to? So, you know, we we read you the latest attack by the president on whoever's responsible for the oil prices. Well, there was a, pro, a, a response from a billionaire who happens to be hundreds of gas stations owned. His name is John Castamitides. And that's a hard name to say. He owns hundreds of gas stations. And he blasted Biden's pinning the blame on high fuel prices at the pump on gas station owners. He argued there's only one solution for inflation, boosting production of crude oil. Castamides made the remarks in an interview on Fox on June 24th 
after he was asked to comment on Biden's call for gas stations, gas station owners to bring down the price they're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. Your customers, the American people, they need relief now, Biden said. President called for a federal gas tax holiday himself. He urged oil companies to use their profits to boost refining capacity and leaned on gas station owners to pass along lower crude oil prices by lowering prices at the pump. Castamides, you obviously know what he said. He reacted to Biden by defending gas station owners, arguing they've been making the same margin that we've been making forever, as they have to cover payroll and pay rent, electricity bills, and other operating expenses. While the margin gas station owners make fluctuates several cents one way or the other, he said it's ridiculous to put it on us. We're not the ones that created the problem. The price of gas has doubled since Biden took office. The president variously blames everybody besides himself. Those evil oil industry gurus, a lack of refining capacity, global supply shortfalls set against the sharp post-pandemic rebound in demand, and of course, Russia, Vladimir Putin, and Ukraine. Now, some experts have argued the Biden administration's anti-fossil fuel policies have discouraged companies from investing in refining capacity. It's not so much they have slowed down. What happened? Joe Biden won't even address this. What happened? All of this money that goes in the cost of developing wells, drilling, developing developing them, finding them, getting them finished, it's called completion, get them completed, and then get the energy that can be taken from those wells, get that to the marketplace. It's costly. It's expensive out the wazoo. Throughout the oil industry's history, big major oil companies, they don't have pockets full of hundreds of billions of dollars of cash, but they have all the expertise to drill and develop these lands and the products that come off these lands. So what they've always done is created partnerships, and that means people that have money, that invest money, most of it comes from Wall Street banks, big investment banks. That's what these banks do. And for decades, for generations, they have partnered with these major oil companies to drill and complete gas and oil rigs, uh, uh, oil wells, also pipelines. What the Biden administration did, even before they took office, their economic experts went all up and down Wall Street, telling these Wall Street bankers that had been providing the capital necessary to drill and complete and increase capacities, like you heard him say, you need to increase your capacity to refine oil. They don't have the money to do it. And Joe's people are out there discouraging these bankers in the investment money for gas and oil exploration explanation and development have dried up because the president is telling them that. We're at a situation where we don't even expect the president to stop doing that so much as if he would let other people in his administration that are experts straighten him out, give him the facts, and put some people in the know up there. If he wants to do it, 
And he's doing it because he wants to kill the energy sector of our capitalist society. Why don't he have the chutzpahs just to say, hey, we're doing this because we're going 100% solar. Now, he has made it very clear that he is going green energy. He is saying that. And when it comes to cars, he's bowed already at the, at the god of electric cars, electricity. And he gives out these numbers. We're going to be green energy dependent only by 2050. He has no idea. Nobody has any idea. And it doesn't matter how good an idea is if it can't be implemented. You can't replace fossil fuel cars, trucks, airplanes, jets, including Air Force One. You can't replace them with green energy. It doesn't work. Now, I can say this. It doesn't work yet. This is, or at least used to be, the most developmental world on the planet. New ideas, come up with them, implement them, make them work. So you never say never about the green energy thing. But we're not there yet. We're not at the point where a smart person would flip the switch on fossil fuel. You would keep it going. And he's screaming at the oil companies who he cut their legs off at the knees the day that he was inaugurated and told them, we're going to put you out of business. And now he expects them to go invest a bunch more money in drilling and completing wells, pipelines, when he shut down the XL pipeline, which by now we are told by the government of Canada, if they had let it be finished 18 months into this presidency of Joe Biden, we would be flowing to the United States from Canada 900,000 more barrels of oil than we're getting today. Joe shut it down like that, bam. Experts say if he said yes to go for it, if he pulled all that back, the permits were reissued, it would still take months, maybe even a year for the companies that are building that pipeline to get everybody back in place to do it. And they won't do that because Joe Biden's president, you can't trust him. You certainly can't believe what the man says. Sometimes he doesn't even know what he's saying. Real Truth, Real News, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the French fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy, the white round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo, but they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. We 
may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Here's one of those things you expect to happen in this presidency. And to be quite honest with you, we see it happen pretty much daily. An Independence Day tainted with tragedy was only further marred by Joe Biden, whose initially dismissive passing remarks of the the parade desks were later brought center stage with the pitiful afterthought memorial later in the day. His news traveled about that 22-year-old suspect that he opened fire from a rooftop up in Highland Park, Illinois. And it was at a 4th of July parade, killed six, wounded dozens. The White House reacted with an official statement that afternoon, as you would expect. But during his planned remarks shortly after that, which had been delayed because of the developing news, Joe Biden had little to say outside of self-promotion. Here's what he said, and I'm quoting the president. Y'all heard what happened today. Before I left for Europe, I signed a law, the first real gun safety law in 30 years, and things will get better still, but not without more hard work together. Each day, we are reminded there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy, nothing guaranteed about our way of life. You have to fight for it, he went on. Defend it by voting. Well, (laughs) nothing about what happened in Highland Park. The flood from the White House communications team was very apparent as they sent the president out within two hours to interrupt a performance by Andy Grammer on the lawn so that Biden could provide an awkward and brief moment of silence to save face. One serious note, you know. He began after the first lady had insisted the musicians play an encore for the fans. There was a shooter, as you well know, in Highland Park in Chicago, and they have I talked to the governor, to the mayor. We're given all the hope they possibly can give, including FBI and special service. Anyway, they've identified the individual. They haven't stated the name, and I'm not going to do that now either. He claimed, despite news of the suspect's identity having circulated by that point, we had it here. But they're trying to find him, and six others have passed, and the others are wounded. But we got a lot more work to do. We got to get this under control. We got to get this under control. Having said that, I just want to keep a slight moment of silence for all those families, offering about five seconds of remembrance for the victims. His display only served to further emphasize why his numbers have continued to drop. And also, more importantly, forget about that. He's not going to be reelected. 
Forget about his approval ratings. Only thing we need to remember and concentrate on is why he's up there talking to people about this. It's because crime is rampant. It's not being reined in, and the people committing it aren't being held responsible. Let me give you an idea. Nobody's putting this out anywhere, but Biden plans to allow some migrants with terrorist ties into our country. Surely not, Dan. Last week, the State Department and Homeland Security announced they had altered the Immigration and Nationality Act, which is a federal law, to grant entry into the U.S. and other immigration benefits to those who provided limited or insignificant material support to designated terrorist organizations. Now, what does this support include? Well, it includes routine commercial transactions, humanitarian assistance, substantial pressure that doesn't rise to the level of duress, and the satisfaction of certain well-established or verifiable family, social, or cultural obligations. So the amended language, which is detailed in a notice to the Federal Register, it creates a carve-out so immigration restrictions, including an entry ban into the country, no longer apply to these individuals, provided they show they pose no danger to the safety and security of the United States. And you know, I mean, come on now. If they're coming to the United States, they're good people. They're honest. You know for a fact, there is no terrorist that comes to the United States that we can't trust. Oh, my gosh. Other factors considered by the government, whether the person in question supported terrorist activities that they knew or should have known. Do you hear that and know that this president, this Department of Homeland Security, they're already doing this, and they amended a law. The Immigration and Nationality Act is a law. You can't amend laws legally, folks, from the White House. You can't do it legally from the White House. Now, will this Congress hold the president accountable for this? I'll put it to the question. I'll run it up the string to Congressman Mike Johnson. I'll do it today, and I'll ask him, to weigh in on what they can do and what they would do. But if you think about it, with Democrats in control of the House and the Senate and, of course, the White House, what the heck can be done right now? And this administration is consumed with that very fact. They have so much unfettered power. It's like they they don't answer to anything. They certainly don't answer to you and I. And, of course, Congress won't hold him accountable. Can you see a scenario in which Nancy Pelosi would allow articles of impeachment to go to the floor of the House? That's where it would have to begin. It would never happen. Never will happen. Now let me tell you just how frustrated Americans are. The frustration. And here's what I think federal officials in this administration are spending a lot of time blasting the Trump administration, president on down, with this information. American people are getting unsettled. And don't forget, Mr. President, the American people have 
more than a billion guns owned privately. It may not be a billion, but it's it's going to be well into the 50, 100 millions it's going to be. That's crazy to think about, but it's true. And the American people are getting sick of this going on. They really are. And the American people, when asked, how many of you think an armed intervention by the American public is likely to happen in the United States? What do you think and how do you think that would be answered? Time for the Hot Topic Buzz, a new poll revealing that 28% of Americans say it might soon be necessary to take up arms against the government. Of those people, 37% are gun owners. The poll also finding that a majority of Americans feel the government is corrupt and rigged against everyday people like themselves. Lee, I kind of... Again, I'm not a pollster, and I'm not going to play one on TV, but I kind of feel like this might be a figurative response. But do you think it's literal? No, I feel like it's figurative. But when you look at the numbers, even breaking down between Republicans, independents, and Democrats, you've got a third of Republicans say that they feel like it may soon be necessary, about a third of independents as well, and 20% of Democrats. So I think what this really suggests is that People feel like the country is unstable. They feel unsafe. And when you look at some of the other numbers in here, about half of Americans feel like a stranger in their own country. And so I think what we're saying here is that people just, I mean, we've been seeing this for a long time. People feel unsafe on every measure. They feel physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe, financially unsafe. Nothing feels like they can, that that is secure. They don't feel like they can trust institutions. They don't feel like they can trust the government. And so people are going to want to take it in their own hands across the board. So, yeah, I think it is a little bit um, sort of uh, it, it figurative, as you say, but I think it's, it's suggesting this underlying feeling of unease. Liz, but the feeling of unease is a little bit different on the left among certainly young liberals because, again, words hurt. And I think it was Rob Long on <laughs> Gutfeld said that when someone tells you to go jump in a lake, it's a figure of speech and it's not a death threat. But that's how <laughs> young people on the that's left view, uh, view words. And again, their reaction to the Supreme Court rulings, I've had to really try and counsel people and be their therapist, friends of mine who are liberal about these decisions. Yeah, I mean, workers at Amazon wanted time off for grieving about the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade, which honestly makes my head explode. Uh, You know, but let's go back to the 2020 election. What did Joe Biden run on? He ran on bringing the country together, Dagan. Uh, And I think one of the tremendous tragedies here is, A, he didn't believe it. B, he never even tried to accomplish that. And as a result, our country is, I think, more divided than it has ever been. And and we've been through some pretty tough times over Vietnam, over race riots, mm-hmm. et cetera. But right now, people don't trust each other. They don't trust the government. I think Lee is absolutely spot on. They feel unsafe. They feel unsafe walking down the street. They feel unsafe financially. I mean, this is a terrible place we find ourselves in. And I really do point the finger at Joe Biden because he has really let down the country. The polling would not be this bad 
except that people think he betrayed them. And I think that's exactly right. Thank you both, ladies. Let me ask you a question. And I'm being honest when I ask this. How bad do you think it is? And how many people do you think really think that we should go to arms to ferret out whatever problems are in our government and fix them? I don't know what the number is, but I got to be honest with you. Even if it's a third of what this poll said, which would be a little under 10, when you think about that 10% of the nation, how many people is that? It's 32 million people. You don't think that a mess could be made, that there could be some real damage done by 38 million Americans who get so frustrated and are getting so upset with this, can't even get, I'm, I'm not even talking about getting it done, fixing everything. I'm including in that what we're seeing, what those 38 million Americans are seeing, is nobody's even trying in the government to do anything to get it fixed. The polls that she was talking about, he's underwater, in 48 states that include the typically dark blue California and even his home state of Delaware. His approval rating in Delaware is below his approval rating. His disapproval is higher than his approval rating. In all of this, it's the lowest in his presidency and only 30% approval, 58% disapproval. I've got a list of all the states. There's only two states, two out of 50, that approve of it. Hawaii, 45% approval, 42% disapproval there. And the other of the two states is Vermont, 44% approve, 38% disapprove. Did you think in your lifetime you would ever see any president with those low support approval for the job that they were doing. I I don't think, maybe it would have been Richard Nixon when the Watergate stuff was hanging over his head and forced him to ultimately resign to be kept from uh, facing an impeachment process. Maybe Jimmy Carter. I don't even think it was this bad under Jimmy Carter. I mean, the people at this particular point. So they got to have something. Here's what nobody's talking about in the run-up to the 2020 elections. I mean, we're July, August, September, October. We're actually only a week over four months away from the midterm elections in November, where every member of Congress, the House of Representatives anyway, will face an election. What's the Democrat Party running on? What are they using to energize their people? (laughs) I would not want to be in that position. So this is coming up the first election since the Supreme Court's ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. Democratic participation in the primaries in Illinois, New York, and elsewhere last week was lower than previous midterm cycles. Pollsters say that's a bad sign for Democrats' chances in November. I mean, with the Roe v. Wade thing, I don't, I don't think it would have uh, gone that way. I would have think it would have been strongly, much stronger for Democrats. Compared to the 2018 midterms, 
You remember Democrats swept the House in a blue wave reaction to Donald Trump. The 2022 primary season has seen anemic participation from Democrats. That didn't change after the Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization Friday a week ago, which reversed 50 years of precedent recognizing a constitutional right to an abortion. A pollster said, What I've seen in every state, with one exception, is that Democrat turnout either is noticeably down or flat, while Republican turnout in almost every state is noticeably up relative to 2018. Democrats have been fundraising, telling voters that abortion and many other rights are at stake if the party doesn't gain at least two seats in the Senate and retain its slim majority in the House. And left-wing analysts say abortion will be a major factor against Republicans in November. But the message hasn't struck a major chord with primary voters. You want to know why? Think about this. Most Americans realize that what happened with the overturn of Roe v. Wade doesn't make abortion illegal in the United States. All it did was send the power of governing abortions from Washington, D.C. to back to each one of the 50 states. And I got to be honest with you, doing that, what it did was it constitutionally returned a constitutional structure in which something like abortion has always been. Things like that have always been handled at the state level. Why is that? That is the contact point, the direct contact point for American voters. They look to their lawmakers, their congressional lawmakers, both Senate and House, that represent them, and they give their advice, the voters do, to their representatives in the Senate and the House. And then those people go to D.C. and they vote according to the people. But here's why the left is so upset about this. It's bad enough that abortion is going to stop the slaughter of innocents that uh, nobody knows how many babies' lives that has taken through the years. It's estimated 60 to 100 million. That's not the big issue here. Controlling a woman's body isn't. That's what they've hung on to, and that's how they got Roe v. Wade. They will lose their power. Remember, this is the government full of people that want the federal government, the U.S. Congress, to be in total control of everything. Remember, they tried the big turn takeover of the election system, taking control of the elections from each of the 50 states, pulling it back to D.C., and they control it out of the government. It's all about power. It's not about the rule of law. It's not about what's best for the American people. It's about what they think is best for them. That's not what it's all about. It's about giving it back to the people, period. And there are today states that have abortion laws that are making abortion legal. And in some cases, most cases, there are stipulations that are placed on those laws. But nevertheless, they're coming from the people, directly from the people, and not from unelected bureaucrats that are given untold amounts of money to lobby with 
to go to these lawmakers and get them to vote one way or the other. It's not coming from there, and this is the thing they can't stand. When you take away the rights of abortion on a national level and you send those rights back to the states for each state to determine for itself if abortion is going to be legal, and if so, what are the circumstances that surround it, it'll be in writing and law and the people's representatives in each state determine it. Novel idea. That's just a little bit more of power to the people, which we need. We really need. We need to get a bigger government much smaller than it is. And every year it just gets bigger and bigger, spends more and more money. It's like a, a dinosaur that we've had to feed for 260 years and the sucker it won't even quit growing. It just keeps growing. And of course, what do you do when you get a bigger animal? You got to feed them more. And for the dragon, the monster in Washington, D.C., what it needs is power, more power. And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight, a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Yes, a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. Don't miss the Pizza Hut and Pepsi soccer offer. With every two medium pan Super Supreme, you get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free. What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org You know, I, I am sick and tired. I used to have a website. The name of it was I'm Sick and Tired Of. And what it was, I would have people that would send me things they were sick and tired of. I would hear things, see things, and I would just go on this web and I'd write a story about the latest I'm sick and tired of things that were in my life. Let me give you some examples. I do not like moving around in crowds. And when I have to move in a crowd, I find out that 
most Americans don't give a rip or understand about being in a crowd and how we're supposed to move when we ferret getting through and moving around in a crowd. What are you talking about, Dan? Well, let's, let's talk about just two of them, two of the circumstances. Airports. Recently, I flew through Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I flew through Atlanta, Georgia. And if you've been to either one of those airports, you know how big they are and you know how many people go through those airports every day. Traffic flow typically in the concourses and even walking along uh, outside of a concourse, most people have it down to where if you go one way, you go on the right side. On the other side, coming back, you go on the right side. That gives you room in the middle for people that are walking faster than the others to get around. No, that makes too much common sense. I mean, think about it. There wouldn't be any problems. Everybody could have easy access. It would probably shorten the time trying to get from one gate to the next and would keep people sometimes from missing a a connection, which has happened to me before. But it seems like there are certain sections of people, maybe in age groups, maybe in ethnicity groups, but there are groups that seem to handle that and are less cognizant of the problem it causes, the people around them, than others. Specific instances. You're walking with a, a crowd of people that are flying together, they're kin to each other or whatever, and they, they stand side by side. I mean, shoulder to shoulder, walking in the same direction. And typically, when they're in these type of groups, they walk real slow. And they make it where there's no room to get around them because people coming from the other direction, they're walking shoulder to shoulder, And you almost have to run over somebody to be able to get around that group. It's even worse in shopping malls. You know what I'm saying. I get aggravated. I am sick and tired of people that refuse to discuss the reality of inflation, especially our people in government. Obviously, folks, they're ignoring it. And we we started the show today with a short segment on inflation and its ills, primarily because Joe Biden won't take responsibility for it. But nevertheless, the government doesn't want to take control of it. Nothing can happen in inflation unless that does. And I wanted you to get a listen. Jim Jordan over the weekend, congressman, a Republican from Ohio, he joined a talk show and they discussed the consequences of and the sources of and what inflation, if it's if it's not curbed, what it's going to do to us long term. Take a listen to more of President Biden's blame game on inflation. Listen to this. Ultimately, the reason why gas prices are up is because of Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. How long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? as long as it takes so Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. Russia, Russia, Russia. Congressman Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, joins me this morning. Thank you, Congressman. Uh, what do you make of the, the, uh, the blame game that's coming from uh, President Biden? Well, I mean, he's wrong like he is on every other issue. I mean, we know why we have inflation. They spent like crazy. They paid people not to work and they drove up the cost of energy. It wasn't Russia that did it. It was their crazy policies. 
their policies that ended the pipeline, their policies that won't let you drill in Anwar, their policies that made it difficult to get leases on federal land. So everything costs more because of Joe Biden. Food costs more, gas costs more. If you want to buy a new home, it costs more. Everything costs more. And this idea that, you know, somehow uh, Americans don't understand, they do. There's a reason, actually, that more than seven out of 10 of our fellow citizens think the country's on the wrong track because it is under Joe Biden and Democrats running our government. And that's why I think there's going to be a big change come this November's election. You know, it's interesting. We hear this time and again from the president, regardless of what the polls are saying about his performance. But to come out boldly like that and say, I defy you to find Americans who think we're heading backwards, that we're not uh, pushing the economy forward. He can't really believe that because I'm sure a vast majority of the people in this country don't buy it. Well, he, he doesn't buy it, the country doesn't buy it, but I think it's rooted in something that's even worse, and that is this disdain, this mm. dislike they have for folks who live in flyover country. You know, out here in Ohio, western Ohio, north central Ohio, that mm. I get the privilege of representing, where you make things, grow things, and move things, you need, you need fuel prices at a lower level. You're, you're going to work, you're in manufacturing, you're in construction, you're in the field planting crops, harvesting crops, and then you're tr in trucking business, moving those goods all over the country. That's where it really impacts families and really impacts our economy. And these folks who live on the coast, who think they're so much smarter than us regular people, who can work remote and zoom it in, you're in trucking or manufacturing or construction, right. you, can't, you can't remote work, you gotta go to work. And that's what they don't get, but the American people understand it. And again, that's why I think there's fixing to be a big change uh, in the midterms. Yeah, I think you're right. Congressman, we're already out of time, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Really you appreciate it. Jim Jordan. Hit the nail on the head. I'm sick and tired of my illustration. It was talking about a crowd of people walking through like an airport, uh, walking through a shopping mall. They get shoulder to shoulder. There may be five, six, seven of them, and they're walking slower typically. And they're walking where it's hard, very difficult to get around them if you're walking faster than they are. That's what's happening with our inflation stuff. You got a bunch of Democrats. Joe Biden's in the crowd. He's one of those five, six, or seven that's walking on the right side, shoulder to shoulder, and the number just got bigger and bigger, and they join him, and they, are, of course, are aspiring to his thoughts on inflation, its causes, what are the possibilities to tackle it and get rid of it, and the price for doing that, political price, of course. And they get walking slower and slower, and here are more, more Americans percentage-wise than could possibly be in those slow-walking crowds. And the rest of us can't get around them because they don't want to walk faster. In other words, they refuse to accept the truth. That's my problem. I'm sick and tired of that happening every day. And the cost, you can't even measure the cost to this to the American people, in our government, and in our lives. And, of course, in the middle of this, we've got all of our federal law stuff taken care of, our law enforcement stuff taken care of. We find out over the weekend the DOJ has issued two more subpoenas in connection to its never-ending investigation into what? The January 6th insurrection. They're still after it, folks. And this time, those subpoenas were sent to Arizona state senators. Now, what's this about? Well, they're seeking information related to communications that State Senate President Karen Fan and State Senator Kelly Townsend, both of them, by the way, are Republicans, may have had. 
a subpoena because you may have had a conversation with attorneys that represented former President Trump. The subpoenas were served last week. They're requesting text messages and emails from a list of people, which I can't disclose what those people are because they told us not to speak with media about this. That's from Quintera, a writer at the Washington Post. So they tell the Post. What does that mean? They wanted it out there. Why did they want it out there? This is just another piece of showmanship that just makes me nauseated. This January 6th committee, just when you think they've stooped too low, they've gone to the bottom, they've scraped the bottom of the barrel, and you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. They're reaching out with subpoenas. Now, let me let me tell you what this kicked off when that happens. When you get a federal subpoena in Arizona, you're going to be required to respond to that federal subpoena in Washington, D.C. And any time you go up against the federal government, especially the U.S. Department of Justice, what's the first thing you got to do? You got to hire a lawyer. Do you know how expensive it is to get federal case representation on a case like this? You can start at 100000 I'm serious. That's where the beginning cost goes. In a state matter, like even like first-degree murder, you've got to get a criminal, and you want a criminal, a really good criminal defense lawyer that can get you off of whatever you did or didn't do, and it costs big money. And for criminal litigation, defense dollars begin around 60000 But each of these two state representatives that may have texted back and forth with attorneys of President Trump, they're going to have to hire federal lawyers in Washington, D.C., the most expensive lawyers on earth, to represent them, even if they didn't do anything wrong. And there's nothing they can do about it. And this is just more of the witch hunt, impeachment, trial, part three that the uh, Democrats want to do. And, of course, you can't impeach somebody that's not in office. That's why they hurried up and impeached Donald Trump for the second time before Joe Biden got inaugurated. They want to somehow pin something on him so he can't run for president in 2024. Here's what is scaring them and getting them so ramped up like never before. Biden's getting less and less popular, and every day he does the things that he does, says the things that he says, implements the things that he implements, the American people are looking over behind him at the guy that's walking behind him, the one that Joe ran around to win the presidency. Of course, that's Donald Trump, and they're looking at what he did for four years, not what he said, but what he did for four years and they're beginning to think wow more and more of them are uh, Trump's approval ratings continue to climb while Joe's continue to decline why do you think that is people pull levers based upon the circumstances where they live in which they live and I mean somebody mentioned it in one of the sound bites early in what Joe Biden promised everybody His biggest promise when he campaigned was, I'm going to unite the American people. There is no unity 
in his administration. No wish, no attempt to get, implement any kind of unity. The message that comes out of his mouth and comes out of the mouths of all of those in his administration, even the media department, you've got to agree with us. That is the narrative. There is no other. None's going to be allowed. Whatever we say is the way that it is. And once again, they're putting Americans behind a big rock that's about to cover them up. If you're a Democrat and you get something like this, you can get legis- uh, representation. You can probably trade it out for your services or maybe a lobbying vote or two on an issue that would come before you. But if you're from Arizona, if you're a state senator from Arizona, that isn't going to happen. You ain't going to get any favors in D.C. You're going to have to pay the price and deal with it. So there's some big information out there now about the midterm elections. So Beijing has rallied U.S. allies along with Taiwan, Japan, and the Pacific. Courts South America, the quarterback of House GOP policy, is now signaling that China's influence inside the Democrat Party is going to be a major issue this fall. Now, who could have thought this would happen? (laughs) The Democrats are completely asleep at the wheel when it comes to China. It's Representative Jim Banks, who is chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Democrats believe that China is our friend, he said during an interview last week. They believe that we can work with China, that we can coexist with a rising China, On the Republican side, we recognize that China's the greatest threat economically, militarily, that's posed toward the United States today. Banks said Republicans see two big Democrat vulnerabilities when it comes to China. Number one is, Americans believe President Biden is compromised because of the large business deals that Hunter Biden pursued with communist China. We went from the strongest president, the toughest president that we ever had on China to the weakest president who's likely compromised because of the Hunter Biden business dealings with Chinese Communist Party entities that Joe Biden was skimming money off the top, he said. Now, he's referring to a 2017 deal in which Joe was mentioned as potentially getting 10% of the proceeds. The second is that as Americans experience China's increasing aggression in the Pacific, Chinese warships repeatedly are circling Japan over the weekend. They see the Biden administration focusing the Pentagon on work ideologies instead of hypersonic missiles and other leading technologies. Wokeness is weakness. I like that. Jim Banks said that. And the more that we project weakness in our military the more we're projecting weakness on the world stage. Our adversaries see it, and China is laughing to the bank every time they see our military leadership advance critical race theory and anti-Americanism on our troops because they know it is destructive. So Congressman Banks, he said Republicans are going to offer an alternative to Biden's approach, focuses on new technology, new strategies that fuse U.S. military capabilities into a significant deterrent. We got to build a military that is more sophisticated, he said. We got to give our military personnel the more sophisticated technologies that they need 
to fight back against our adversary, an enemy in China, that we've never seen before with what they've done to build the sophistication of their military apparatus, their military civil fusion. Their approach is something America is not pursuing. We're not well-equipped because of the lack of serious leadership in America. With Joe Biden in the White House to advance a strong military posture against China, it hasn't happened, and it's not going to happen because there is no strength or power or any desire by the President of the United States to stand up to China. And there's got to be a reason. And there is something about this. I didn't give him this name. Every once in a while, I call him Quid Pro Joe. But that's why Americans don't trust him. More and more see and hear it and understand. Why hasn't the Department of Justice taken up this Hunter Biden thing diligently and either investigate it and put it to bed and tell us there's no there there or investigate it and take whatever legal actions are necessary for those who are involved in it doing so illegally and unethically. Obviously, that ain't going to happen. So they're just going to sit back and say nothing and do nothing. Meanwhile, it continues to happen. Let's go to Georgia for a moment. You know the big race that's up down there. It's for the governors. Stacey Abrams against Kemp. The uh, incumbent governor there, he beat Stacey Abrams in the last run. She has never conceded, saying that her election victory was taken from her. Well, guess what came out over the weekend? Stacey's campaign has spent over $450,000 on private security. Now, keep in mind, this is Stacey Abrams. And her not-for-profit made some big-time donations to radical defund the police groups. Now, you put those two things together. Georgia's gubernatorial nominee, Stacey Abrams, she paid hundreds of thousands for private security for her through her campaign since December of 21 when she launched her second bid for governor, despite being a board member of a foundation that wants to abolish police and personally backing an anti-police initiative. Between December of 21 and April of 2022, Abrams' campaign doled out over 450 grand to executive protection agencies, it's abbreviated EPA Security, which is an Atlanta-based private security firm. The company's website says the group provides executive protection that comes with a, quote, keen eye with a thorough knowledge of the venue through threat assessment for its clients. The nine payments from the Abrams campaign to EPA security ranged from $39,335 to $56,760. And this is not the first time she has paid for private security. The Fair Fight Political Action Committee, a committee that is part of a network launched by Abrams, spent more than $1.2 million on security last year with the same firm as the Abrams campaign, according to filings. She recently insisted to Axios she 
supports increased police funding and officer pay as her role with Seattle-based Marguerite Casey Foundation has become a political liability. Over a hundred sheriffs in the Peach State, a hundred, condemned Abrams over her highs to the foundation and her soft on crime policies, which followed Governor Kemp calling on her to resign from its board. The attention follows numerous reports on her involvement with the group. This foundation up in Seattle, the Marguerite Casey Foundation, they have repeatedly voiced support for defunding and abolishing the police. They've also awarded millions to professors and scholars who advocate anti-capitalist and prison abolitionist views. They want to defund the cops and they want to they want to uh, shut down, begin a process to empty our jails. I've never seen a plan for that, but I can't think of any plan that anybody could see that would be reasonable or realistic to say, yeah, we're going to do away with prisons. She, Abrams, Stacey Abrams, she backed an expanded anti-police initiative from the foundation shortly after she joined its board in early May 21. The board of directors, including Abrams, unanimously approved the Answer the Uprising campaign in late May of last year. That involved increasing financial support to left-wing groups working on law enforcement issues. The initiative also established a coalition with other grant-making organizations that provide backing to defund the police groups. The Marguerite Casey Foundation in 2020 directed grants to left-wing groups, people like the Movement for Black Lives, Black Organizing Project, and Louisville Community Bail Fund. Abrams also previously signaled support for defunding police while attempting to redefine it. She tried to rebrand the defund aspect of the movement during the George Floyd unrest as favoring the reformation and transformation of law enforcement instead of abolishing policy. You know what this all feeds into? I mean, it's, it's so obvious there. Huge campaign contributions. This is politics, folks. (laughs) This is politics. And who listening in today thinks that politics in America today are not seedy pits where members of our government can just go pick a dollar or two out of it, whatever they need. But they know when they do it, there's quid pro quo always involved in it. So what she's doing is working both sides of the defund me group. Whoever writes her checks, it's all about power. And with that power to get, it's all about dollars and cents. I know, I know, we talk about a lot of bad stuff here. Why don't we take our final break? When we come back, let's talk about something that's not bad. How about let's do that? Let's talk about some family stuff in July 4th. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. 
And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding Captain Label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org And Dan Newman. We're going to get to some July 4 stuff. Personal stuff. Happy, positive stuff in just a second. Before we do that, I wanted to point something out to you because everybody's ignoring it, at least in the media world. This historic surge of illegal immigrants across our southern border, it's fueling a hidden crime spree that few in D.C. seem willing or able to even address. What is it, Dan? Widespread identity theft, victimizing unwitting Americans perpetrated by migrants who got to come up with U.S. credentials to even work. An extensive, very extensive review of government reports, think tank research, news accounts, and interviews with policymakers and scholars suggest the problem involves millions of people, folks, not a few thousand, millions of people, though measuring it with precision is difficult because the lack of data provided by authorities. An indication of the scope of this criminality, which is is criminal, is provided by a little-known government accounting book, the Social Security Administration's Earnings Suspense File, ESF. It reflects the earnings of employees whose W-2 wage and tax statements have names and Social Security numbers that don't match the official records. The total logged in the file has increased tenfold. From Listen to this. From $188.9 billion at the dawn of the millennium, to $1.9 trillion in 2021. Officials have historically ascribed a high proportion of the file's growth to wages reported by illegals, and it has swelled alongside their population, which stands at a conservatively estimated 11.5 million today, 7 million of whom are employed. Among those doing so on the books, Federal authorities have found that well over a million are using Social Security numbers that belong to somebody else. Examples, stolen, shared with a relative or acquaintance. They even make up fake numbers. The data held in this would enable authorities to pursue many of the fraudsters, but the IRS and other agencies responsible for enforcing the law are reluctant to investigate and regulations have prevented meaningful information sharing among them. The Biden administration doesn't want that to happen. They like it just like it is. So listen, I want to tell you that yesterday my family, 
my immediate family. They just bless me because I got invited, Marianne and I. And I want to tell you, we have one son, two daughters. Our son is the youngest. He and his wife live in Fort Worth. We have Corey and Kimmy. Caleb's name is, my son's name is Caleb. I forgot to say that. But Kimby and Corey both live in Shreveport. And they together have six grandkids. All of our grandkids lived here. So we got invited to go to the lake to spend some time yesterday skiing and surfing is the new thing behind ski boats. And I got to sit in the boat and laugh with and talk to, look at my uh, daughters and sons-in-law, really have a good time. All six of my grandkids and uh, several friends that always come along, our girls and our son are really big about inclusive. Pretty much every one of our family gatherings, and we have them four or five times a year. We all live here, basically. There's four or five strays that come in, and I like that. We're inclusive. There are a lot of people out there that don't have families. Maybe they don't have them close, or maybe they're not close to their families that don't have that chance. A young man that is playing football at Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, Taziah, He was out there with us, an African-American young man, and I'm just mentioning that because my daughters both have hearts bigger than you can imagine, and they take care of these kids and these people, and I love that. That's a wrap on Tuesday's show today. Wanted to end on a good note. Good family, blessed, had a great time. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. Maybe climbing on rainbows, but baby, here goes. Dreams there for those who sleep. Life is for us to keep. And if you're wondering what this song is leading. Time will tell If you believe the things that I do And we'll see it through Life can be short or long Love can be right or wrong And if I chose the one I'd
for those who sleep Life, it's for us to keep And if I chose the one I'd like to help me through I'd like to make it with you 